Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to an extra special episode of the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Nina Pantic, and I'll be joined by Judy Murray, a well-known coach in the tennis world, and of course, the mother of Andy and Jamie Murray. She's joined by Rosemary Reed, the producer of Driving Force, a Sky Sports docuseries starring Judy and 10 female British Olympic athletes. Filmed mostly before the pandemic hit, Judy is the focus of the first episode of Driving Force, which aired just last month and she is the host for the remaining 10 episodes. The docuseries is produced by Rosemary Reed, who is the founder of Power of Women TV Productions and a huge proponent of having more women in the film industry. Though Rosemary knew very little about tennis going into this project, she learned from the very best by working with Judy. Driving Force features Judy Murray in conversation with Victoria Pendleton, Natasha Jones, Rebecca Adlington, Kelly Holmes, Katie Taylor, Steph Hooten, Dina Asher-Smith, Charlotte Dujardin, Sarah Story, and Christine Ohurugu. In this episode of the Tennis.com podcast, you'll hear from both Judy Murray and Rosemary Reed as they discuss how this docuseries came together, why the world needs to hear these women's stories, the challenges facing female athletes and coaches in sports, and more. Now, I'll warn you, there are some slight technical difficulties in this one, but it's worth it. So without further ado, let's hear from Rosemary Reed and Judy Murray. Okay, so Judy and Rosemary, I wanted to start by asking you guys, tell me what is driving force and what is it all about? Judy, for, for everybody here in the UK and I'm sure worldwide, is the queen of driving forces. And she um, uh, was the, the, the rock and, and, and the most amazing influence over both her, her son's careers, which we all know. Um, so she was the, obviously the ideal person Firstly, to host the in conversation with with these these amazing athletes, and also to discuss the driving force that was behind them. We open with Judy's first episode is Judy Murray, and we hear all different um, different from Billie Jean King across the board. So, you know, a load of amazing people talking about what her input has been, not just into her boys, but also to the world of tennis, which. I was been editing her episode. I saw how much respect and genuine respect that she has in her own right for for her influence onto tennis from grassroots upwards. See how I'm learning there, Judy. Terminology. I knew nothing about tennis before. Now I know everything. <laughs> I've had a mini crash course with the best in the world. But yeah, so it's been it's just been a real eye opener. For me, I mean, I, I obviously, I, I, for, for looking at female sport, but female equality across the board, I think there's still so much to, to be done. And Judy is constantly pioneering to make changes. So I'll put you over to her now. Yes, Judy. So tell me what, what the driving force is in your episode. Is the point of the show to focus on you and the athlete or is it about what's driven you and who's driven you? 
Yeah, it's um, well, it's a, it's a bit of a mix. Um, I'm the only coach that's in it. Um, the other ten are, as as Rose said, they're all Olympic athletes, British Olympic athletes, and um, it's you you know when the vast majority of the sports watching public they watch the performance, they see the end game, and very rarely does a thought pass their mind of what went into making that performance or getting that athlete or that team to the top of what they're doing that day, that week, that month, that year, the 10 or 20 years running up to it. And I think that obviously I'm a huge promoter of women's sport and women within sport and creating more opportunities for women to grow the female side of sport and to grow the workforce um, around sport, the, the female workforce around sport. So, you know, for me, it was a huge opportunity when, when Rose asked me if I would like to get involved with it. I've never done any presenting or interviewing before, but of course I understand the journey because I went on it with my own kids. And I'm also, I'm, I'm a female and I'm older. I've, I've seen the world and I probably was aware of a lot of the obstacles, hurdles, issues, challenges uh, that, that would have been put in their way so for me to have a conversation with them and you know bring out of them their story and it was as much about a raising, raising awareness of their incredible successes and raising their profile as it was of raising the the many issues and challenges that still exist in women's sport and for women in sport so it's it's kind of got a dual dual role and what we hope it will it will bring up a lot of talking points that will hopefully allow us to be some kind of catalyst for change, you know, whether that's equality of uh, opportunity, whether it's, you know, whether that's more investment in uh, sports participation or female coaches or performance sport, you know, that, that doesn't matter. The, the, the thing is, we're, we're always on the back foot in sport. You know, the, the world was designed for men and the sporting world historically has always been about men so we're always playing catch up and it's one of the reasons why you know getting the chance to do this it just really shines a spotlight on what still needs to be done for us to continue to to make ground in sport and rosemary can i ask you how you came about with this idea because it's your brainchild right and then you enlisted judy's help in making it come to life is that correct of course yes um i've i've made um quite a number of shows for Sky. Uh, my passion is storytelling and hearing true stories, not just ones that have been, you know, um, added to and, and made to the, 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 the person in uh, the conversation to be something that they're not. What, what, what I really found very refreshing, because there's no interviewer, no journalist, in the series it is judy not been seen as an interviewer she's been actually seen as um their sort of peers together but when i saw um the need for more attention to um female sport we just wanted to do it in the right way we've shot it in the right way and we've delivered a, a message without being aggressive or about being you know too critical of we've done it in a very honest way and very fact, factual way uh i feel that it was it was something that conversation is a very powerful way to get a 
to get a message across. And I don't feel there's anyone as good as Judy to be able to be that conduit with, with these uh, athletes because she's been there, been around the block a thousand times, seen all the obstacles. And what I heard, which you will see in, in the series, in her episode, that she went through her own serious obstacles of, of from whether it be getting, you know, funding or uh, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and I do believe that if she'd been a man, she would not have um, in any way encountered those block it, blocks in the road. So I feel by through the conversation, and one thing you will see as well, Nina, is the women that are in the series are all very positive and very amazing role models. So for them, what we wanted to also do was have these role models uh, you know, whether it be Dina Asher-Smith, whether uh, Charlotte Desjardins or Kelly Holmes, whoever it may be, they've all been, they're all telling their stories that, as Billie Jean King says, if, if you want to be it, you have to see it. So all these women have been it and they're setting the example to other young girls uh, coming up the ranks now. So that's what it was for us. It's a very exciting effort. Judy, I want to ask you, what was it like being the, the person on camera all the time, being the interviewer with these amazing athletes? It was, it was a different experience for me, but um, I've probably watched enough interviews um, and probably been interviewed enough to understand, um, I think, probably how you, how you engage women. I mean, for me, when I was first thrown into the spotlight, it absolutely terrified me when I had to do interviews because I wasn't prepared for it. Um, I was terrified of being caught out. I didn't want to be a headline. You know that there are certain journalists who pose a question in such a way that it ends up being a headline, even though you haven't brought it up and it's not something you feel strongly about. You know, it could be a yes or no answer. And suddenly it's Judy Murray says or Judy Murray slams it. And I'm thinking, no, I didn't. So I've, I've learned a lot along the way. And I think that, you know, for me, if, if, a, if a woman asks me for an interview, I'm far more likely to say yes because I think I feel more I feel more comfortable. My very first live TV interview I did with Claire Balding because I I'd known her from a couple of commentaries that I'd done with her at Wimbledon, massive admirer of what she does. But I thought she's a female; she won't be trying to to stitch me up. And that's the reality of it: is that you know so many of our athletes in whatever sport they're afraid to use their voices, they're afraid to put their heads above the parapet because you, you so immediately shot down um, both in print and and on social media and and that's a very uncomfortable place to be and I think I can handle all that now because I'm so much older but when I was younger that would have really I really struggled with that and it's one of the things that came out very strongly in in the series was the number of women who said we were prepared um, within our sport to do what our sport demanded of us but we weren't prepared for life after success. So that whole thing of, you know, suddenly your public property, people want a piece of you, you can't go anywhere uh, without being recognized. You know, there's you know, being papped or your doorstep or, you know, whatever it is. And many of them found that very distressing. It, you know, it led to extreme anxiety, uh, depression in some, in some cases. And I think for me, it was, this was a big part of, the show is to show that when you're preparing an athlete for the top level of whatever sport, it's not just about the kicking the ball, hitting the ball or riding the horse. This is about the life and business that goes around 
being an exceptional sports person and that is just as important that people understand the big picture and it's one of the reasons why I'm so um, passionate and outspoken about the need to increase significantly the number of women in the sporting workforce. And you're so comfortable promoting women and pushing women. What do your sons think of this? Yeah, yeah, no, they're all they're all good with it. I think uh, you know they've been around me lo- long enough to see um, you know whether I was started out as a volunteer at our local club. That's how I got into coaching. You know, when they were very little, it wasn't anything to do with them. And you know, uh, tennis is very much a minority sport in Scotland. And you know, when they were little, you kind of played tennis in the summer and you played another sport in the winter because our weather was bad and we didn't have indoor courts. That was the reality of tennis in Scotland when they were small. And I went over to my local club just to uh, actually to get a little bit of uh, active uh, sport um, when my mum could look after them when they were very small. And I started to play a little bit with some of the older juniors. There were no coaches in our area. I mean, tennis coaching just really wasn't a thing back then because you couldn't make a living at it because nobody played all year round and nobody aspired to be any good. Uh, We had no track record of success of tennis in Scotland. And so I kind of learned from myself just by observing how kids learned and, and learning how to communicate, what do they respond to, what do they react to, what switches them on, what switches them off, that, that kind of thing. So I think my, my kids have always, they, they've kind of grown up through sport of me being the person who organised whatever it was that they did, as parents do. Um, and then, of course, I was the, the main person at the tennis club making things happen. And our tennis club had all sorts of other things going on at it, you know, squash, table tennis at a, a park across the road with a duck pond so they played football over there they climbed the trees and the uh, around the courts and so forth and the golf club was next door there was always it was just a wonderful sporting environment for young children to to grow up in and I had a mum's army that helped me to run it you know from the cafe to the teams to whatever it was all the mums we all got together so they were used to having women around who got things done I also can't help that notice that most of all the athletes in the docuseries are Olympic athletes and Andy has won two Olympic gold medals. How important are the Olympics to the series and to you, Judy, personally? Incredibly important. I think uh, I was lucky enough to, when I was the Fed Cup captain in 2012, we had a a home Olympics in London and you could see uh, I'd never experienced an Olympics live before Um, and certainly not a a home Olympics. But you know, the opportunity to grow sport in your nation against the backdrop of an Olympics of the best athletes from every sport coming into your country and, sh- and showcasing themselves on TV and in, in other forms of the media. It, it's a huge thing for raising awareness. It's, it's like Rose says, it's that thing of um, if you can see it, you can be it. So it's like, I want to try that. I want to You've got a massive, massive um, opportunity there. And although it only comes around once every four years I think that's probably what makes it even more special to to win it because it's not there every year like one of the Grand Slams for example but yeah for for um, most athletes the Olympics is the absolute pinnacle of what they do and doing the series what I realized so clearly because I'm not from a sport that is um, an out and out Olympic sport you know we have a circuit that goes on 10-11 months of the year and we have the Olympics every four years but there are many sports where of course they have their perhaps European or national championships and world championships but for them it's a four-year cycle that they're preparing for and can be committing to and sacrificing themselves for and many of them it's a 10 to 12 year sometimes for career span that you're investing in
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hey everyone, you're listening to an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with Rosemary Reed and Judy Murray explaining the mission of Driving Force, a new docu-series. Keep listening. And Rosemary, I want to ask you, did you, were you familiar with tennis before starting this journey with Judy? Did you know Judy beforehand or are you completely new to this? A little bit, so I've picked it up and I've, I've actually been quite amazed at what goes on behind the scenes. It's, it's uh, for me, it was a real education, you know, hearing the stories, hearing her talk, hearing what she'd been through, the lack of money, the lack of facilities. It was, it was shocking. But, you know, she's on a mission. Um, I'm on a mission, but she's really on a mission to make even more changes for equality for female sport. I think the, the biggest um, thing for me that, that came to light for me was the great need for female coaches to be more at, at senior level to top level and until I, I think we have more of that I think it's still going to be quite slow to change uh, the way things are but they are changing because you know when you watch the show you will you will see that these women are also on a mission and Judy I know that your son Jamie has been a big part of my tennis life on tennis channel this year did he give you any tips on uh, life behind or life in front of the camera because I know he's been doing a great job for us yeah, he's enjoyed that enormously. It's been a nice new challenge um, for him. And I think that, you know, fans want to see behind the scenes. They want to see the things that aren't normally shown on TV. And that's an, another thing that kind of feeds into the driving force is we're showing them the behind the scenes of the, the, the top women in our sport. But no, he hasn't... Um, he hasn't been giving me any tips. Um, I'm not sure if he thinks I, I need them or not. But I, Can I jump in there? She doesn't need them. Trust me. <laughs> Trust me. She's, she's like, puts people so at ease. She's a born natural. Yeah, thank you, Rosemary. But in, in lots of ways, it was easy because I was genuinely so interested in hearing their stories. And of course, I researched them all in advance. So I knew the things you know, I knew the things that I wanted to ask them about, but, you know, I wanted it to feel like we're just having a conversation and I'm actually just being a little bit nosy there. But, you know, I could empathise with them, uh, with lots of the things that they said, you know, and, and, and chuck in my own experiences of, of certain things. And I think that when they know that you understand and you're, you're not trying to trip them off and you're actually just trying to get the best story out of them. And, you know, this, this series will... I think it will be fascinating to so many, uh, so many different people, you know, whether you're interested in sport or not. But I think for, um, for people, for women and girls, especially who are interested in sport and are emerging athletes and for their parents and for coaches out there who are working with young female athletes, it's going to be an absolute eye opener in terms of what you, what what you need to know and what you need to understand to help you to do the best possible job with them. And I think um, you, you cannot underestimate the importance of emotional support. And I think that often what was missing, you know, in, in what, what very often were all male 
coaching team environment that the emotional support has to come from friends and family. So if your training base is hundreds of miles or hours away from your family and you're having a, a struggle or a wobble, it, it's it's very dif difficult. And I know that, you know, from my own experience, you know, being slammed by the media for being a pushy mom and why are you always there? Why don't you leave them alone? They're, they're, they're grown up now. And I'm thinking, you have no idea what I have to do behind the scenes because they're too young to manage the the logistics, the hiring and maybe sometimes firing and paying of a largely adult team. Somebody has to take care of all that so that they can concentrate on what they do um, on the court. If, if my kids had gone into team sport, I wouldn't have had to do any of that because the team or the club would have taken care of it. Um, and, you know, who cares more about you? I mean, it's so easy for young athletes in in well, especially in tennis it's so easy for someone to pull the wool over your eyes financially if you're if you're not on it so you have to be very careful you need to have people around you that you that you trust but it's very clear from the series that the emotional support around an athlete for their mental well-being um and and happiness is unbelievably important and that's another reason why i feel that parents should be should be always such a big part of the athlete's journey. It needs to be the athlete, the coach, and the parent need to be there in a kind of three-way triangle. But even now, like, are you still now involved in, in Andy and Jamie's careers, or is it a lot less? No, I don't have to be. I mean, I'm absolutely thrilled to bits. I mean, when they got to an age and stage where I didn't need to be involved or it was like, huh, thank Bye -bye. you. Bye-bye. <laughs> a life of my own now. And... Um, I'm still involved in tennis because I love it and I'm still at the end of the phone if, if they if they need me and of course I'm still following everything that they do but um, yeah but it, you know in the early days it's absolutely vital that you have strong um, solid trustworthy people around you to help you to negotiate that climb to the top and staying at the top. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey listeners, this is an episode of the Tennis.com podcast with Rosemary Reed and Judy Murray sharing what it was like to get to know each other and the 10 incredible female athletes in Driving Force. Keep listening. Yeah, this year also has been extremely weird in that players have had more, and I'm, I, I work in tennis, so I, I usually talk only in tennis, but all athletes have had to kind of rediscover themselves and find other ways to maybe even fill their time and think about what they're going to do next. I saw, you know, like Andy was doing Twitch commentary with Game on Fees, and I don't think that's something that he would have been doing if it wasn't such a weird year and he had time to maybe try commentary. But have you guys noticed or how has COVID affected your own lives in terms of how you're working? It hasn't affected what we're doing because we, we're working on this production at the moment. So there's a small team of us that are in a bubble. Um, but it has really disrupted so many other parts of our business. You know, over on this production, we had several people go down sick. So it, it put, put things behind and scheduling. 
when I was listening to a lot of the athletes, I'm going to go back to Steph because she's fresh in my mind, but she talks about how training, because she had to train from home, how she had to be so disciplined and she really realized that not being part of a group, how hard she had to work individually. She didn't have a coach there, and but she still had these Zoom calls and everything. So I think for me, um, lockdown has been... Um, I've, I, I've just been working hard, just in a studio. Judy, Judy knows that. 17 hours a day. I've, I've, I've not, I don't even know what time it is at this moment in time. Only I was, so I'm not the best person to ask because I've been locked away. Not about lockdown. I've been locked away studio. <laughs> Are you the, the founder of Power of Women TV? Is that what what other projects do you work on as well as Driving Force? Um we do um sorry, you back? Oh, yeah. We we do other programs. Um we do a series called Power of Women, which goes out on Sky. We've done Living the Life, which is Sky. We've done uh four seasons for them on that. We're just about to do Power of Women Arabic, which is similar format. It's a conversation between powerful women. Uh, we're doing another season of um, Driving Force in America, which we're very excited about. So we're kept very, very busy, very busy indeed. Okay, great. And then is there anything else that you want to add, um, either one of you, because I feel like it's been, it's been a good chunk of time here of your days? So I'd like Judy to end it, really. Well, one of the things that I was going to say was that, you know, I'm hugely into women supporting women and I think that a lot of what I do now is about build, um, building the female workforce, teaching people how to teach tennis, um, creating things that get more women and girls involved in, in, you know, in, in tennis. And you know, one of the things that I'm constantly saying to whoever comes on my workshops is that you have, a, you have an experience, you have an expertise, whatever it is that you do, you have an expertise through life. So whether you run the cafe at your local club you know how to order how to price everything up you know sell by dates you know how to present everything etc because you're used to doing it so if you can take somebody under your wing another female and teach them what you know so that there's a succession plan whenever the time might be but you're empowering somebody else to get involved in a way that you know so often women don't take that first they don't have the the confidence to do it but if we all went out of our way to find somebody that we could share our passion experience with we then can double our numbers at least in very short term and that that's a big thing for me with a lot of the you know encouraging women into the female delivery workforce because a lot of them would be like oh no i couldn't possibly teach tennis and i said no you could teach my my starter tennis because it's not technical it's really simple you can do it with a pal you know, so you're not there on your own, blah, blah. So my thing is all about making things doable and fun, but it's about women empowering women. And I think that someone like Rose, I don't meet people like her very often. And I am absolutely convinced that this series has come about because she's a woman. No question. I don't know that. And she's one of very few female TV producers in the UK. And if she hadn't come up with this idea, I think it would have you know, even if it had been my idea and I'd been trying to find somebody to do it, I think it would have been quite difficult to find a man who would have tackled this in the way that she had to give it the opportunity. So it's this 
women empowering women thing again you know she gave me the opportunity to get involved with it i've loved it she's done 99 percent of the work putting it all together and all the rest of it and i just love being being a part of it but it wouldn't without her drive and commitment it wouldn't happen and we need women to make things happen for women i think that's the point that i'm i'm, I'm, I'm trying to make but that that's why i think i connected with judy because she's on the same path the same way young women like you nina are on that path to make a difference and like we have to just all support and help each other i do love that a lot of your work has been conversations with people and one-on-one -on -one conversations because that's pretty much what i do so it is it is really it's it's beautiful and it's nice to hear you guys speaking in such a way thank you nina we are grateful for your time today thank you very much oh thank you you guys it's been awesome and if we can support you in any way in the future, you know where we are now. From the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, this has been the Tennis.com Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay caught up. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every major listening app, as well as Tennis.com slash podcasts. You can also see the videos of our episodes on Tennis Channel's YouTube page and Tennis.com's Facebook page. We're your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. We'd like to thank our team, editor and audio designer and video editor, Christina Koseva, producers, Alexa March and Sean O'Malley, and executive producers, Shelby Coleman, Kyle Einhorn, and Andy Chu.